G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. That's six more. That's beautifully timed. He absolutely pummeled that. Baz and Izzy are talking cricket. Thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand for the past 10 years. Yeah, this is SENZ. No Baz and Izzy at the moment. You've got Mitch McLennigan and Ricardo Ball with you, though, and joining us from Wisdom.com, the managing editor, monthly columnist, and uh, self-appointed weathered empire builder is Ben Gardner. G'day, Ben. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And, and thanks for coming on and joining us. I imagine uh, as an Englishman who works in cricket, the last thing you want to do is talk to someone on the other side of the world about the Ashes right now. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's broadly to be expected, I think, how it's gone so far. There's a, almost a certain perverse pleasure to be taken in the fact that it's gone so badly so quickly, but I don't think we could have hoped for much better. So you think it's been brewing for a while, do you? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's, it's a strange one because it's not that long ago that you have to look to see that there was actually quite a swell of optimism around the team. Like if you go back to the first test in India this year, England played kind of the complete game. Mm. Uh, Joe Root got a double hundred lots of people supporting him the bowl was all kind of dovetailed uh, Anderson bowled brilliant on the final day Archer was bowling quickly uh, and then India kind of sort of changed the pitches they wanted to prepare uh, and I think that sort of fried the minds of the batters a bit and since then it's kind of all just unravelled and then you had pretty much the toughest schedule you could have with New Zealand and India and you get to this point now where you have batters you know out of form not able to get into form no one really telling them how to get back into form and uh, and now he ends with what we saw last night with 68 all out, which is uh, obviously a fast, but one that has been brewing for quite a long time. It's not the first time they've been rolled for very little against um, Antipodean uh, opposition. I mean, was, was it two years ago in Leeds? Uh, they got rolled for, I think, 67 by Australia, and just a year before that got rolled for 50-odd down here in New Zealand. I mean, look at that English squad that is over uh, competing in the Ashes. Is that the best squad they could have named, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, well, well, Root said that today. He said he thought it was the best 18 county cricketers and got a bit of backlash for it. I kind of see where he's coming from. I mean, there's a few that I quibble with. Like, um, on the bowling side, I quite like Matt Parkinson. I'd have liked to see him get a go, but he doesn't really help with the batting. And I quite liked Dom Sibley, who got quite a bit of stick. But I think that if you're looking for someone to sort of lay a platform at the top of the order, no one was doing it as consistently as he was. But I don't think there's anyone there to turn the that England side from a side that's getting beaten 3-0 uh, comprehensively to a side that's competitive. I think mm. you've got to look at two things, though. I think there's a, there's kind of like, why are those the best players available? I mean, you can see that when they picked that squad, that was the best, 17 or 18. But there were guys who weren't in contention that were a few years ago. So someone like Liam Livingston, I think, is quite an interesting example, who was in the squad for that New Zealand series, pretty close to getting a debut, the one you, where we got rolled for 50-odd. Uh, and at that point, he was, you know, averaging in the low to mid 40s in first-class cricket. He looked like a player. He had sort of uh, had the attitude, as we've seen 
in T20 cricket, but then in the last couple of years, he's based, barely faced a red ball because he's taken the choice to focus on white ball cricket, to go and play the IPL, to play these other leagues. And he's said, he's been quite open saying that he's happy with that decision. I mean, he knows he's not going to be that intensive if he's doing that. He's got to go and play every game at a T20 World Cup. But England, I think, at some point have to look at the talent they have and really, really think about how can we best sort of separate these into the various things rather than the test squad just being the guys who aren't playing any T20 cricket because they're kind of not good enough to do that. The other thing as well I'd say is that these players that they've picked have all shown in part that they can do it at test level. I think that just over a year ago, you'd have said that this was the core of a batting lineup that looked like they kind of had what it took. Like Rory Burns was getting hundreds, England's most reliable opener since Cook retired. Uh, Don Sibley, as I said, was facing lots of balls. Ollie Pope was, I mean, he's got a brilliant first class record and was looking like he could translate that into test cricket. That Crawley got that brilliant double hundred. And since then, they've all gone so far backwards. And I think that's where you've got to ask questions of the coaching staff, really, because. And it's interesting to hear what Mitch has to say, I think, because I get the sense that at the international level, there's not a huge amount of actual coaching that goes on. It's more about creating an environment where players can do what they've done in domestic cricket and see if that can be successful in test cricket and, you know, play their natural games, that sort of thing. But I think with the squad that England had, uh, they were all so young that, like, you are going to need some coaching there. They are going to need to know how to face various challenges that they won't have faced before. And I think that that's what's been lacking. Yeah, you're probably not too far off the mark. Um, without knowing their coaching structure, um, you know, sometimes if they are coming into that environment, they are getting coached. Sometimes even small minor changes can take away from the game that they had coming in. Um, so without knowing what kind of coaches have got there, all I see from the England cricket team um, at the minute and their backroom staff is there's a lot of them. Um, they've got such a big touring party they've got so many voices whether it's from the bowling or the batting side or or analysts and all that kind of stuff it's almost too big um, and that's what I can see from the outside so you know the old adage you know too many too many cooks spoil the broth you know it's uh, it could be a case of that um, yeah that's that's just the way I look I don't know if there's any murmurs of that um, in the English press or anything like that from your guys side I, I'm not entirely sure but that's what I see kind of see from the outside yeah, well, it seems like Chris Silwood is pretty firmly in the firing line. Mm. Like, he's a, he, he's, he was a strange appointment in a way because he was a, it's not very long ago that he was Essex's bowling coach and their head coach and then England's bowling coach and then their head coach pretty quickly. So he's not as if he's got a huge track record, albeit he had done some very good things with Essex. Uh, they talked about him sort of having sort of aced the interview process where Gary Kirsten was also interviewed. Uh, and I kind of think that you can see that as a double-edged thing too. Like, if Gary Kirsten is interviewing for a job, because he's such a good coach, I don't think he's going to do the same amount of prep work in a way that someone who really, really wants this job and needs this job is going to do. So he's going to come and need to be impressed himself as well as looking to impress someone else. Super, super interesting you bring that point up because I've been through a few of these interview processes with coaches or heard of uh, processes with coaches who are very, very good on the PowerPoint, say all the right stuff, and then get into an environment 
and they're completely different, completely the opposite. Like you say, you can do a really good PowerPoint presentation, a really good job interview, and a more experienced coach who knows how to coach players and understand players and manage a team actually miss out because, yeah, like you say, Gary hasn't grown up in that, that era where he's had to do a PowerPoint tour. You know, I know a few guys, we had Mark O'Donnell at Auckland Cricket, who's a fantastic coach, doesn't even know how to turn his computer on. And you're actually missing out on those those great coaches who I can't actually do an interview process because of lack of skills. So, you know, you might have hit it on a nail on the head there. Gary Kirsten would have been outstanding. Yeah, and, and the, the, the the computer thing is an interesting point because England, the Silverwood reign, I think, will be defined by planning, by having all these plans that have eventually come to very little. I mean, you know, when you look at the, especially when you talk about planning so much and then you end up with the bowling attacks they picked for these first, or for the first two tests, where they kind of pick the the right one for the the test before and after, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, sort of correcting themselves afterwards, uh, and then he even talks about so when Roy Burns obviously got uh, his leg stump ripped out the very first ball of the series, he was asked about that at a press conference afterwards and said that England had actually planned for how to react if you lose a ball to the first if you lose a wicket to the first ball of the series, uh, and he said that they oh, it sounds so okay, confusing. We expected this. Now move on. Yeah, it, it just it seems like they planned themselves as a whole, and also if you're doing that much planning that will take away from the time that you can actually work with the players if you're just sitting there beavering away, thinking like, we've picked this team for this team game, this team for this game. Then when you're actually talking to the players and saying, look, your, your, your front foot's in the wrong place, or do you want to think about this and that sort of thing? And it seems, I, I do think that's the thing that's been missing. Uh, and even because they talked about the sort of tell-all, uh, sort of clear-the-air meeting they had after the second mm. test, which uh, uh, was quite an interesting one, especially because you kind of think you'd have that sort of debrief after every test defeat or test win, talk about what went wrong and what went right. Uh, but even that was player-led. That wasn't coach-led. That was the coaches sitting back and letting the players sort of take control and say what they need to say. And you do think that it does just need someone to come in and just take the reins, really, and say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're doing wrong. Obviously, with a bit of sensitivity, but also recognising that drastic action does need to be taken. And it's increasingly hard to see if Silwood is the man to do that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that damned him for me was after the second test and before the third, him saying that if he had his time again, he wouldn't change anything for the first two tests and then turns around and makes four changes for the third. It kind of seemed he completely undermined himself. Uh, where do England go from here as the next coach? Uh, I mean, is Peter Moores, is it back to the future? I mean, what, what do you think they're going to do? Well, I, I do like Peter Moores and players talk glowingly of him uh, in that they say that he's the guy that's improved their games uh, the, more than any other. I remember talking to, uh, to Joe Clark, who has just sort of resurrected his career this year at Knotts. And he went, before he went to Knotts and Worcestershire, so he talked to Moeen Alley, who, uh, who Peter Moore brought to, into England and said, look, I've, I've had a few offers. What do I do? Who do I go and work with? And he said, go and work with Peter Moores. He's improved my game more than any other. Mm-hmm. So he's an interesting name. I don't think England will go there for head coach because he's had, he's had two goes. And the last one ended quite ignominiously. But there might be a play for him somewhere in the setup. Uh, I kind of think, though, they just need an outsider, basically, like someone from outside the county cricket circuit. Um, it's interesting that, 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 you know, that Mickey Arthur has gone to Derbyshire because, you know, he'd be the kind of name you get in the frame for the, for the head coach job. I think they just need, like, I mean, you know, they've had, they've, they've had Australians before. I wonder if there's, a, if there's even an avenue for someone like Ricky Ponting to come in. That would be, that would be the dream, I think. But I, I, I <laughs> you, can't <laughs> you can't pay him enough. You can't pay him enough. Yeah, Baz McCullum uh, maybe. But, He'd be another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so there, are, there are good coaches out there. And I think they just, they, they, they just need someone with, with a track record, I think, like someone who 
has a record of improving young batters because that is the thing that will turn them from a poor test team into actually quite a good one quite quickly. Like if you can get a few of those batters back to the level that they were looking like they'd reach a year or so ago, you're actually strangely not that far from having quite a good England team because the bowling attack is there. Joe Root is obviously brilliant. We know how good Ben Stokes can be. So actually, the, kind of the core is there, but there's just like a critical mass of players that's not there that means that everyone's kind of failing together rather than having, you know, a couple of sort of open spots where a guy can either bed in or, you know, drop out. There's just too many of those spots, I guess. And if you can just get a couple of players up to the level uh, that they should be able to reach, then you've got something to work with. But they're quite a distance away from that at the moment. So these last couple of tests, um, you've got McMood over there as well at the moment. You've got Joe Clark. Would you look at introducing those guys in the last couple and, and just you know use it as blooding, or do you think they're going to stick with status quo? Uh, it's tricky. I mean, Phil Wood, again, another one of his plans, said quite early on that he didn't want to have any Ashes debut, uh, any debutants in this series, which bringing Joe Clark in obviously would go against. Uh, there's also a couple of other guys like James Vince and Ben Duckett. Mm. The one thing I would say, I mean, I feel a bit uncomfortable about picking those guys just because there wasn't serious clamour for them when the squad was announced. And there are guys who have done better in counter championships uh, in the lead-up. So you are just picking them just because they're in the country. Yep. But the one thing is that Ollie Pope being out of the side does open up an opportunity for England because he was in the plum position for getting set in test cricket. He was at number six slot for, what, you know, 20 test matches where you, can, you, know, where you, you should be coming in in the best position where the ball is old. Yep. And that's where you can sort of forge a career. So there is an opportunity to bring someone in and to give mm. them a run. And you think that like, and, and then that's where even like, it's strange that James Vince, you know, this, this gorgeous stroke maker, uh, the guy who's he's a, bit, he's a bit flaky, but you maybe think that he can change a session, a change test in the course of a session. But he's never played a test at number six, which is built for that kind of role, you think, for a kind of game changer type player. And he's always so been that type of player who s- starts really slow, doesn't he? Just like, with that moving ball early doors, Vince, he's always just look, but looked a little bit susceptible. But like you say, if he comes in with that ball with a little bit older um, and gets going, he gets that confidence up. He's, geez, he's glorious to watch. Now, Ben, there was uh, an interesting comment coming from uh, Jeffrey Boycott saying that Joe, Joe Root must step down immediately. I mean, I, I think... That, to me, feels pretty misguided coming from someone like Boycott because Joe Root's the one thing that England seemed to have right. And um, if you if you look at who the first teams on the team sheet, uh, first names on the team sheet are, it's probably him, Jimmy Anderson, Joffre Archer, when he's fit, uh, and Ben Stokes. And I don't think any of those guys are better captains than Joe Root is. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, Joe Root is... He's, I think he's not great at the most visible aspects of test captaincy, which is, you know, the, the managing of his bowlers, the field settings, managing his spinners uh, especially. But I don't think there's any way that you can, you know, rotate England's bowlers that enables you to win a test match when you're scoring 68. So I don't think that bringing in some tactically brilliant captains is going to make a difference. And I think that Joe is actually quite good at keeping the England dressing room together when everything is all falling apart. I mean, the next two tests will be quite an interesting test of that if uh, if you know we do start hearing sort of recriminations and whispers from the dressing room then that might be a sign but as you say who would you give it to i mean james anton is assured of his place when he's fit but you know he's 39 years old england should be looking for the future he will be sort of dropping in and coming out of the side ben stokes again has an iffy injury record he's also not looked back to his best yet since he's come back into the side 
Uh, and do you really want to give a guy who England already are to do so much in all formats an extra sort of very intense job, especially when you, you know, taking a break from the game to manage mental health so recently? The one thing I have seen suggest is they can just pluck an excellent captain from county cricket who might also happen to be a decent batter and just give them a go. But that seems, again, like a huge risk. And the one thing that with, with, with Joe Root that they've always said is, uh, or that's always been the, the debate is, can he juggle? the batting and the captaincy. And for a while, it seemed like he couldn't do that that well. And then you had a pretty convincing case to say, if you can take the captaincy away, maybe he becomes this great batter again. But this year, he's shown, even with you know everything falling down around him, that he can maintain that incredible level. So I would stick with Rue. I think there's yeah m- much deeper problems in the England team than him. And I think that if you have a functioning batting lineup, which I don't think he can take too much stick for, then I think you, uh, you might have the makings of a, a decent test team again. Good stuff, Ben. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on and, and having a chat. It's uh, been insightful from you and uh, really enjoyed uh, having the, uh, the chat. Keep up the good work at uh, Wisdom, the Bible of, of of cricket, of course, mate. And uh, we we'll look forward to chatting to you again at some point. And hopefully it can be under better circumstances for the England cricket team. Yeah, hopefully. I won't hold my breath, but hopefully. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, ben uh, Gardner from Wisdom. Uh, some interesting stuff that he had to say there on that England cricket team, Mitch. Uh, yeah, um, Aussie made the mistake of finding a good skipper yeah. in Tim Payne, so uh, just make sure he's got a clean, uh, cleans his ca- <laughs> cache of photos and he's got a nice record before you, you go down that route. Yeah, okay. so, that's solid. <laughs> There's some solid uh, Mitch McClinican advice there on SENZ. This is uh, Baz and Izzy for breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day, uh, I think. That interview and Ben definitely deserved a McCafe uh, coffee. We'll go and grab one of those uh, before we hit our next big interview, which is with Robbie Koenig around 8.40 between now and then. Of course, we've got news and uh, we'll take your calls too on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811 or 8833. The England cricket team, if it was up to you, what would you be doing?